Is Revelation easier to understand than we think? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by the Gospel Project. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Josh Hayes. Josh, we got a big yes. question here. Sure. What is it? Well, is Revelation actually easier to understand than we Oh, think? yeah. Of course. It's, it's the question that you led the episode off. I was making sure we we're on the same page. Oh, totally, totally. But yes, uh, this, is, uh, this will be a great passage to uh, highlight for people how Revelation is actually more straightforward than often we think. I know uh, some people in my own church are intimidated by it and think they're going to have to make all sorts of uh, complicated interpretive decisions if they were ever uh, having to lead a Bible study or participate in one. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, it affirms some basic gospel truth, just as we've been saying on the on, on the previous episodes concerning Revelation, basic truths about who Jesus is and what he does for his people, but wrapped in a different sort of language with this apocalyptic literature. But I think it'll really uh, become straightforward and clear to our listeners as we talk about uh, Revelation 5 specifically today. And and that is one of those things that's really important is, is that, um, yeah, we, we have this tendency to treat Revelation as a book that requires a lot of charts and graphs and um, and all kinds of different things and I'm not entirely sure why that has be why it's become this uh, Bible boogeyman right <laughs> basically right. and maybe that's the advantage of not having grown up in uh, the evangelical subculture sure is sure. Uh, is when we get into this, it we're we're gonna see just how really straightforward this this can be. Now, um, before we do, because we're gonna be talking about Revelation five, let's talk about uh, let's set up a little bit of context, uh, such as we need to. Yeah, well, this passage in, in Revelation it builds off uh, what came before it. Remember, Revelation is a it's one revelation of one person jesus christ and the, the outworking of his redemption in history but it's but that is presented with multiple visions and so you take each vision on its on its own terms and in this uh vision specifically we have this the, we have the worship of of this of the lamb figure that that represents jesus we have the worship also of the, of the one seated on the throne and this this comes after uh in revelation 4 this uh, picture of the heavenly throne room where you have these spiritual beings, angelic beings, much like the seraphim uh, uh, described in Isaiah 6, places like Ezekiel 1 and and 10, where the divine presence in heaven, God's authority and reign over over everything is shown where he has this host of uh, companions and associates uh, around him who whose sole purpose of existence seems to be to adore and and, and praise him and so you have uh, a glimpse into that and uh, a, a, a repeated um, presentation of that here in, in revelation revelation heavily draws on lots of old testament imagery and so john is inviting you to to make that that connection and even the phrase holy 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 of the lord god almighty the who was and who is and who is to come that's that's riffing off and playing off of the uh, what the what the seraphim uh, chant and, and say in isaiah 6 so 
along with these um, these creatures, these these four living creatures who who worship uh, the one seated on the throne, you have the twenty four elders uh, worshiping the one on the throne, which is again a, a, a picture of God Himself, His authority, His 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 regal and royal presence. So the one who sits on the throne, who receives all this adoration, is worthy of of worship. And the twenty four elders, interesting number. You, because you think of the 12 tribes and then you also think of the 12 apostles so you have israel and church coming together to worship the one seated on the throne so, so very much uh, rich imagery and and uh, descriptions of, of who who god is uh built into this passage yeah yeah so let's uh let's continue on with uh chapter five and uh and then we'll see what we've got to discuss so picking up at verse one, then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look in, or even look in it. And I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then the the one of the elders, or then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the, of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And then, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take a scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. The, their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. And they said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and power to the one seated on the throne to the, and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four creatures said, Amen, and then the elders fell down and worshipped. All right, Josh, so what, uh, what should we be asking about this passage itself? Well, when you're looking at visions, uh, prophetic literature, you're you're always wanting to to focus your interpretation on what is what is the main point, and that helps other details fall into place. And thankfully, this is a rather straightforward passage where it's not not as easy to get lost in the details. So, what what's the major theme of this chapter? That that's the first question 
will want to ask as we should about any chapter of the Bible or vision within a revelation or prophetic literature in, in general. But uh, worthiness seems to be uh, the, the, the most forthright theme here. And it's specifically the worthiness of Jesus to carry out God's redemptive plan that he will bring about the rest of God's plan in history to uh, both restore creation and also judge evil. And so that's why John is so distressed that he's afraid that no one's going to be able to unlock uh, God's plan and, and, and breaking the seal to the, to the scroll. Uh, but thankfully, one does emerge, the, the one who's of the line of David, the tribe of Judah. He is, is the worthy Messiah who is fit uh, for, the, for this role. And, he, uh, and, uh, and so we see that that come, come to pass within, within this vision. And so it really uh, gives context uh, to, the, to the rest of, of Revelation as this unfolding uh, of God's plan uh, with, with, the, with the judgments and the, um, and the mighty acts of God that will uh, ultimately restore creation and, and bring all sad things to, to an end. Yeah, and and so this uh, this whole idea of, of Jesus' worthiness, um, this is something that that is important, like we like we've been talking about here. But it's important to the whole Bible. It's important to Revelation because really, this is this is essentially the mega theme of the book. Really, um, we see it from beginning beginning to end. Jesus is the one who could carry out God's redemptive plan. Because he was the only one worthy to do so. He could open the seals on this scroll because he was the only one worthy of doing so. Um, he receives worship as God because he is the only one worthy of doing uh, of receiving such worship. He is highly exalted because he is the only one worthy of such exaltation, etc., etc., etc. And he is the only one worthy of being of spending eternity with mm -hmm. because of all that he has done and that that should create a great sense of of a desire for in, an increased desire of to join in this picture of worship that we get to see here in this um uh in this vision as yeah. well yeah it's really provocative about jesus identity here because he's depicted this lamb who's alone worthy of bringing about God's plan. He's also worthy of worship like the divine presence who's seated on the throne. So what does this say about this lamb? Who's also called a lion, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so he carries both those identities as well. So, so revelation is a great example of understanding and re reveling in the multifaceted identity of who Jesus is. He, he's the God man and he's the Davidic Messiah He's the lion, but he's also the the sacrificial lamb who uh, who experienced his judgment on behalf of his people. But that's not the end of the story. He's also this lamb who rises to become the king who rules over all creation. Now, another practical question that comes up in this is this question of the scroll with the seven seals and right. what that is. And so there can be a temptation to view... Uh, view this as some kind of secret message that's that's unknown to us, but but only certain people can find this out, and um, that's the stuff that that false teachers and cult leaders are made out of. Um, that kind of thinking. The vision itself actually gives us some pretty clear some pretty clear indicators as to what this is, because 
this scroll is symbolically representing, um, broadly speaking, God's plans and purposes for history. So whether that's related to his covenant for mankind or more specifically and more likely based on the context, um, his his redemptive work and the accomplishing of that, um, that is generally what that scroll and its seals represent, that this is... Um, that because Jesus has been able to open these, that yeah. it unlocks basically all of the blessing and glory and honor that he is that he is worthy of receiving, but also unlocks all the blessing and joy that we receive by virtue of faith in him. Yes, yes. And you see god's purposes of salvation and judgment both in jesus and also in the work that jesus does on earth because part of salvation for oppressed and persecuted people which would have been the experience of christians in, in the first century under under rome uh specifically when revelation might have been might have been written under uh, with nero in uh in power uh part of salvation is the uh is, is the getting rid of the evil regime, the oppressive regimes that, that currently exist. So salvation and judgment are intertwined. What's salvation for one people might be judgment of, of another. You mm-hmm. see that in the case of the Exodus with uh, the Egyptians and the, and the Hebrews, it's the, the, the Hebrew salvation is the Egyptians downfall and, and judgment. And here you have uh, sort of a continuation of that, of that Exodus judgment, salvation, uh, bond if we can call it that uh where where there's going to be these judgments that are unfolded but as god's people are reading about this they're seeing oh finally evil is being destroyed and we are and the world is being set free and god's people are liberated in in, in the process that's part of what redemption is to buy back from less than ideal circumstances harsh circumstances now there's there's one other question here that um, is is worth stating, um, and it we see this in the text. Who, because we see this multitude of this mm-hmm. multitude that's described that are all worshiping the Lamb, and you see this this progressive um, this progressive worship of Him that goes from the the creatures to the elders to this thousands upon thousands upon right, thousands. Right. Um, so who are they? And, um, and, and then also, also, of course, all of creation. But going back to that question of who are they, um, when it comes to that thousands upon thousands upon thousands that, uh, that are described, those are people from every, every people group and every nation, every tribe and, tribe and language, uh, as the text describes, from all over the world. Um, in this sense, really, this is a picture of the ultimate fulfillment of both Jesus' redemptive purposes and plans, but also of the Great Commission itself. Um, so something that we've talked about a lot on the um, on past episodes, um, even just over the last couple of months, Josh, has been mm-hmm. um, this this already not yet dynamic right. that um, that exists within the Christian life, that there are certain aspects of um redemption that have that we experience now but we don't get to experience in its in their fullness until the day we stand before jesus what's cool about this is that in this vision we actually get to see what 
what for us is the not yet, but already is by virtue of our, um, uh, our God existing outside of time. <laughs> um, so the cool thing that's, that's here to think about is, is, is kind of this, is that when John got this vision um, of this great multitude worshiping Jesus, is that that included, that included jokers like us. Sure. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. That is, that is, it's, it's perplexing. Yeah. yeah. But that's the, that's the deal when you get visions of things that haven't happened yet that, that, that are certain to happen because uh, they're part of, part of God's plan. Yeah. He, he can never fail. And that, that is really amazing. And it gives us insight to what worship should look like because we see where history is headed. We see what God wants in the end. And so something of what John sees should be reflected in our own worship in the diversity of what we have. Now we can't have the range of diversity that's going to happen where it's people from all parts of the world, because it's going to reflect the types of people, different ethnic groups that are in your uh, community. But nonetheless, there should be a, a diverse expression and representation of some kind uh, within, within our uh, expressions of worship within the, within the local church. All right. So, uh, thinking about this passage as uh, as we like to do from a discipleship perspective, is there any kind of guidance that we can offer our listeners as they are working through it with someone else, whether that someone else is a child, a teenager, another adult, um, or a whole group of all mm. of the above? Yes, this is going to sound like the the broken record. Uh, admonishment we keep giving about revelation, but you know, records get broken because they're played a lot. And usually that means because they're, they're, they're good and they're useful. And so the broken record line we're going to say is once again, don't be overwhelmed by the imagery. Take every vision on its own terms within itself. Seek to know that the main point again, revelation is one literary work, but it's made up of multiple visions and they, they complement one another in distinct ways but they are nonetheless harmonious. And so this single vision is one of the clearest ones, if not the, the clearest in, in the book. And it's about the worthiness of Jesus, that he alone is fit to bring about uh, the unfolding of, of, of God's plan and that he's also worthy of worship uh, as a result of both his identity with the one true God, but also because he is the one alone who is worthy to unfold uh, God's plan is, is, is the one who can break the seal. So he's the rescuer and the redeemer of God's people. He's the lamb who is slain to ransom his people, to make them a kingdom, a priest. And this is language that we should pick up from other parts of the of the New Testament. So it's not anything bizarre going on here. It's, it's basic gospel truths about the identity of God's people in Christ, that we are made uh, a, a holy nation, a royal, a royal priesthood, that exist so that the nations can be blessed through our witness to Jesus. And, um, and that of course leads to, to, to the last thing, which again has been a, a theme in what we've been talking about here is, is that as we, as we look at this passage with others, this should inspire a, a greater desire for, to worship and to obey Jesus him uh, as well, because of all that he has done and all that he is, um, when we when we see and understand that if our, if our hearts are rightly attuned 
that's going to be our desire is to join in on that and to yes. long for the day that we get to get to do that uh, together with all um, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ across time and space. Yes. I'll, I'll, I think a lot of people, when they think of uh, prophecy uh, in terms of the book of Revelation, knowing the end already that Jesus is going to win in the end and we're going to benefit from that that victory on, on behalf of his people, some some might take that in a direction of complacency and think like, well, since it's all going to, it's going to pan out in the end and we shouldn't really care how we, how we live today, but instead it should inspire you and motivate you uh, because you are getting to participate in the victory that Jesus has won for us and that will ultimately be expressed at his return as we see this type of worship that's going to exist with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We know the gospel is going to go forth uh, throughout the earth and be received by others. And so more people from all different backgrounds, ethnic groups, people groups throughout the world are going to become part of the church, part of Jesus's people whom he's made uh, kingdom of priests. And so that should, that should motivate us to action, not to, not to be in, inactive and, and, yeah. and complacent. I, I liken it to, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an NBA fan. So if you are in a, in the, in the NBA finals, and you, you, when teams have that last game, they have to win to clinch the series and they have a series lead and they just need one more. Uh, yeah, it can be really difficult to win that because the other team's fighting for their lives. But you see it happen when teams get, they build a lead in that closeout game and they can just taste the championship already. So it, it, it propels them just to, just to move forward and try harder and just to close the deal there. And a lot of times you'll see, uh, those games get out of hand because the, the the team with the with the lead in the series does get a good lead within that game itself, and then is just able to sort of barrel on through and win. Well, that should be the sense of momentum that we get from the Book of Revelation. We're going to win in the end because of Jesus. So let's press on through. Let's press into that victory as opposed to fall into complacency. Yeah. Thankfully, it's not like an NBA series that we can, you know, a playoff series that we can blow if we <laughs> were to get complacent. But nonetheless, the the taste of victory that we have in Jesus should should compel us to to be all the more active. Yeah. And uh, and, and pursue and pursuing to live and rest in, in that victory uh, in the here and now, as since we know that the the not yet is to come for sure. Yeah, man, that is a good note for us to end on. So, Josh, thanks for talking about this this passage with me this morning. Um, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.